Hi everyone, I'm Abby Cedar, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. I'm so excited today to have Katie Rossler with us. Katie lives in Germany. She's an expat, and Katie accidentally became a grief specialist. Through her own grief and discovery and pattern development after being a psychologist and a social worker, she started to realize that so much of the anxiety-provoking and nervous behavior exhibited by many of us was actually coming through from grief that we had shoved down deep inside. Now, this is true for sure within the fertility space, within the miscarriage space, and I think so much of it has to do with what everyone else thinks we should be acting like or feeling when we're processing our own grief. So Katie decided to specialize in it, and she has made an impact on so many people. I really hope you listen to her episode with care and with awareness about whatever you might be hiding underneath. I know I certainly did, and I cannot wait to hear what you think about this episode. Please enjoy. Here's Katie. Hi, Katie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited about this. I am too. Thank you for being here. I, I have so many ideas and questions. Why don't you start by telling us where you are right now? Yeah. So I am an expat. I live in Munich, Germany, but I'm originally from the United States. Particularly, I call it the Southeast because I was a military kid. So the Southeast. But you've been in Germany a while now, right? Yeah, it's seven years now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you have three beautiful children. I do. So why don't we start there? What was your experience wanting to start a family and starting your Mm -hmm. family? Well, so I will preface that I am a therapist. And prior to becoming a mom, I had worked for about one year in in in-home counseling, two and a half years in a locked facility with teens. So like a step down from prison for teens. And um, so I knew when the time was right for us to start trying to have kids, like I was like, I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom because I know what it looks like when that does not happen. Really, I saw the extremes of what that looks like when it doesn't happen. But I was so like the fear of God was in me. (laughs) Like this cannot look like this. So my husband is German. And in an interesting German-American forms of Germans like to be in relationships a really long time before they get married, like seven plus years. (laughs) In the States, it's like, we've known each other six months. Let's do this. So we lasted four years and then it was like, okay, now let's get married. Let's do this. And we immediately started trying to get pregnant, you know, went into it with all the books and the things and the apps and stuff. And we were like ready to go honeymoon on, like, let's, let's try. And it took us a few months before we got pregnant with my oldest and who's now nine years old. She just turned nine this summer and a really interesting experience because it was very, really boring pregnancy. Then I had help syndrome uh, a few days before her actual due date. So um, it was a very traumatic birth in the sense that I was not awake for it. I was told about an hour prior, like, 
were prepared for anything that might happen. But I had a wonderful doctor who just really spoke a lot of positive truth to me that like, we're going to get you through this. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and you were in the States, you were in the States for this. Yeah. I was in the States for that one. Yeah. And just a, a really tough recovery process. You're on blood pressure medication afterwards, you know, just all these things kind of detoxing out of your body that you had to medicines I needed to take and a feeling like I hadn't really given birth. I just felt like that was stolen from me. So then did my own EMDR therapy and different things that I knew, the tactics I knew, and it took over a year before I could even say I gave birth. Then we were ready to start trying with our second. Easy, got pregnant a few months later. We moved to Germany. I gave birth in Germany. That had its own fun. And then in our process of trying to get pregnant with our third, we lost two. And we had, so we had two miscarriages. And I guess I should share that prior to that, my mom had died at the end of October, 2018. And Mm -hmm. then in January, that following summer, and then on Christmas day or Christmas, it's Christmas Eve in the States, but Christmas day here, I had my second loss. Uh, I was washing dishes that happened. Yeah. It was a really like, wow, this is Christmas. And honestly, still Christmas Eve is challenging feeling, especially if I'm washing dishes because I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. You, you have those flashbacks to the loss. I don't um, want you to ever wash dishes on Christmas Eve. Can right? You just not? Like, yes. Can you just, I think my husband should just be in charge of that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I will write him a note, like a doctor's yeah. note as yeah. from the fertility chick. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. He'll be like, who and what? And I know. Like, like, why? Who? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, he gets it. I will. There are times if I'm emotional, he is very aware, like, I'll say, you know, this has triggered some stuff and and being married to a therapist, he's like, what do you need? What can I support you with? Right. Yeah. 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 And it was really funny because a lot of people were surprised that I had two miscarriages after having two, getting uh, pregnant with two successfully. And it was like, well, actually, (laughs) if you look at the statistics, the first two were like, whoa, that's magic because this is actually what's normal. And the work that I do with my clients, especially over here with expats, expats are under such extreme amounts of stress that the fertility issues that women experience and then that couples go through together leads to a lot of the times why they're in my my office now in my Zoom room, right? Yeah. Like, this is why they come even five, 10 years later. Yeah. They're needing to process and talk about that. They come to me with something else, but what ultimately we talk about is the feelings of abandonment, the feelings of loss, the feelings of grief that were never able to be discussed. Yeah. So so you had your two losses. You had two children at the time of your two losses. Yeah. I always wonder like how, what was that experience like? Did they understand what was going on? Could you explain it? Did you want to explain it? What was that like? Well, here's the fun curveball. So the first one, I decided to go to the States to go to my sister-in-law's baby shower and um, to be with my family uh, around the time of my mom's, what would have been her birthday. And the miscarriage happened while I was there. We were actually road tripping back from my sister-in-law's to my grandmother's house. And we were uh, at a gas station when I realized something was going on. And it was like a no, 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 no. Right. Like the, no, 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 this is not how this happens. Right. Like surely this is like something else. Right. Everything's fine. Of course. Yeah. Um, 
And so my kids didn't, they weren't around and I still, it was the beginning of the trip. So yeah. I, I had 10 days there and I had all of that time to fully, you know, take the medication. I decided on that first two rounds of medication, all that was left was the baby and the sack. And it was like, they were like, we have to go in with the DNC. I was like, okay, let's, let's do that. So I, I you know, when people talk about, um, the loss of a baby and baby still being in them, the different ways that it can be removed. I'm like, raise your hand. Have you tried that? Have you been through that? And like, I have to raise my hand because that's kind of the experience that I had. But the second one, it was my body naturally. I think it knew by that point, like, don't take the medicine again. Don't make this again. Like, you know, it knew what to do. But the second time the kids were around, that was really hard. That was Christmas, right? Like, you're like, we're, we're about to go to church. And yeah, I think with the loss of my mom, I knew how to feel my feelings in a safe time and space and how to be present with my kids Um, Mm. because they were too young to fully understand anything that was going on. So um, in that sense, I found that, again, it was really good that my husband's married to a therapist because he really could just hold me once the kids went to bed and it's like, I just, just sit here. Was it, did it, did it serve you well to have to sort of put on a face during the day to maybe distract yourself? Or did you feel like you were postponing facing it? Um, you know, that's a great question. I think in some ways for me, grief is always the balance of real life and the loss. And, um, I think I just went into my normal, God, like we all do as moms, like this project mode, like, okay, I'm here for Christmas and with food and the kids and the presents and all these things, but knowing in the back of my head, you will have your time to do the full breakdown and all the things you need to do. They, they were young. So it's like, give it four more hours. <laughs> They're not okay. staying up late. And then you yeah. can feel this thing. And we were very honest with my, my in-laws too. We saw them, I think a day or two later at the big family events, that yeah. one was, that's when it got hard. Cause it was like, I don't want to be around all these people. My body is still adjusting to this. I'm, you know, I'm still going through the process, but we were just really upfront with them. So that helped too, that they could play with the kids more and I could sleep yes. more. Cause really that's yes. what you need to do is just sleep and rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So prior to, were you always specializing in grief or did this come about after the death of your mother and your losses? It was after the death of mom and the two losses that I was journaling a lot about grief and then realized, wow, grief is actually a very normal, natural part of our lives. That's related to more than just death. It's, you know, being yes. an expat, I experienced grief big changes in my life. Going into adulthood had its own grief to it. You know, I, I love my husband, but getting married had some grief to like losing the independence and, and the things that made me me before I was in a couple. So yeah. um, really the, the way I look at grief is it's just letting go of the way we thought life would or should go. And because of that, um, we have to let go of belief systems. We have to let go of the Disney movie version of what our lives will look like and start to realize like all of life is good and good Mm. doesn't mean feel good. Good means growth and learning and progress, even when it feels like we're taking so many steps backwards. Um, So the grief space came upon me 
through my own grief journey, but then the reflection of all of life and just realizing like, oh my gosh, this is really normal. And then the pandemic happened. Oh, <laughs> That's when I was right for another episode. Hey, we're yeah. all going through it now, you know? Like, yeah. I, I've heard you in in podcasts and just speaking before talk about that grief is, and I, I talk about this with clients all the time, mourning the loss of what you thought would be, what your dream was, whatever that might be. And it's so mm-hmm. important and poignant and we don't culturally spend enough time on it because I do feel like there are cultures that have ceremonial uh, or ceremonies to move from one phase of another in life for like this, what we might consider the smallest things, but even going off to college or then getting married. And we should celebrate those things. And I wonder, you know, grief as a word is so heavy and brings so many thoughts and connotations and triggers to people. I just wish there were like another word, almost incorporating a transition period, not just Mm -hmm. the grief, you know? Yes. Yes. I think it would be helpful because I think you're right. Like grieving my independence, that sounds like I'm not happy to marry my husband because right. the word grief sounds sad yeah. or bad. Yeah. But in reality, it's just a transition. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be bad. Yeah. An adjustment. Yeah. 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 I love that. And I love that you talk about this so openly. So let's get to your third baby and then we'll go back to the work stuff real quick. So you finally got pregnant with the third and were you a mess during that pregnancy no. or were you like, oh, no, this is yeah. good? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you just, you won't let your husband touch you. <laughs> like We're not having sex. We're not doing anything. Don't touch me as much as I can. I'm just going to sit or lay here every time I went to the bathroom until probably the seven month mark where I was like, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> probably good. Right. Like, yeah. okay. Um, even when the doctor would be like, everything looks good. Heartbeats good. Everything, you know, like progressing normal, blah, blah, all the things they tell you. I still felt like I was holding my breath every time I went to the bathroom. Yeah. And um, I think there comes a point when you're in the third trimester where you're like, we're further along where it's like, oh, these pains are normal. Oh, this is normal. Because it's like, okay, I've done this twice. Everything prior to that felt like it was brand new. Mm. Like, eh, should I already be feeling this? Should this happen like this? Should I? So there was a lot of me trying to manage my stress. But again, we were, we were like sitting at home all day long. Kids were home. We were in full lockdown here in Germany. There was no getting out at all. Um, And so there was an an ability to lower my stress level naturally because there was no urgency. There was no need to go anywhere or do anything except for doctor's appointments. And when I went, I hated it because I had these masks on and I'm like, I can't breathe already. And now you're doing this and I can't breathe like this. And it was just that feeling. So on top of that, we also have, Hey, like, Hey, there's a virus going around. But at that time I got pregnant in the beginning when they were like, pregnant women are safe. Everything's good. You know, like everything's good. And it was much later on that like became like, Hey, there's risks. It was like, okay. So that I didn't create as much fear in me as much as just what is that pain? What is that feeling? What's going to happen when I go to the bathroom? That was where like, I just felt the anxiety level. And you I think about how that impacted my daughter in my belly, Mm. you know, and she's like the most chill, the silliest, but I am going like, when is it going to show up? (laughs) Yeah. That's truly therapist as well. Like when's this going to show up? It's going to be triggered by some major stressful event. And it's like, Katie, just chill. Like you're going to. Oh my God. I think, I think 
any of us who, I mean, I'm the child of a therapist. So anyone that's either been through therapy or has a parent, sibling, partner, kid who's a therapist, I think every little thing I do when I like yell at my kid, I'm like, oh, mark that down for therapy session number four for them. Like when they're 16, (laughs) whoops, you know, like you can't help it. And especially in the IVF community, I'm like, you know, we talk about you know, my mom's driving me crazy or my dad's driving me crazy or whatever it might be. And all I want to do is pay a lot of money to have other people who I can drive crazy. You know, it's like really backwards, (laughs) you know, (laughs) kind of crazy. Um, Okay. So, and, and you're pregnant, it's COVID and you're still sort of mourning the loss of your mom. And we've been over a year, which is no time at all, of course, but um, tell me what that was like Yeah, in terms of losing your mom. One of the biggest things I think people forget about when you lose a parent, and I'm going to come at it from a military kid. So all anybody who loses a parent, but we've got, when you're a military kid, there's typically a parent who's gone a whole lot. So there's one parent who is like the memory holder of all your things. And that's the one in my family who died. So that was the biggest hit in that first year after she died that I realized was like, I don't have the person, like my memory is so horrible. You know, you show me a picture. I'm like, I know I was there. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't tell you where we were or whatever. She was such a wealth of wisdom and memories. You know, she could tell you like it was yesterday, the stories and that was gone. And I didn't think about that part until my daughter started to do things. And I wanted to be like, did I do that? Was I like that? Is this, you know, is this normal? Like, is this part of our family line? This is what we do. And I could ask my aunt, my grandmother, because of course, who did she vent to? Them. Sure. But it's not the ones who were there. And sometimes I still will ask my dad or he'll say something like, oh, you know, your oldest or your middle is like, you know, how you were like this too or things. And I take it kind of as a grain of salt because I'm like, were you around to know, like you were there, but were you aware? Like, I'm glad you remember. And he was around, but you know, like she was the one that has the memories. Yeah. So that was the hardest piece and being pregnant and knowing that this was going to be the child who would have never met her at all. Like my second was two when she died. So she has no memory of it. We show her pictures of my mom holding her as a baby and things like that. But my third will never beyond us telling her stories and seeing pictures never have been touched here on this earth by my mother. And so that piece is something that I think about from time to time. And my my brother and his wife, as I shared, I was going over for that. They got pregnant pretty soon after um, the loss. So that was like very fresh. And she's yeah. very much not there for the pregnancy and very much not there for the delivery. So it, it was definitely that feeling of like, there's something missing and largely the person who just normalizes the heck out of what you're going through because <laughs> it's like you were like this too or uh, a funny story the the other the last time we visited my grandmother she started laughing at me um, when I was telling a story about my oldest being really forgetful leaving stuff like you'll put it right by the backpack she takes the backpack she's gone and you're like it's a bright red bag how did you miss this right my grandmother starts laughing and I'm like, what? And my aunt goes, uh, who do you think she got this from? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, this is like you to the T. This is how you were. And like my grandmother starts to share with me all these stories and the things my mom would have to do. And I was like, 
I don't know these stories, you know, I don't know these things. And now I can laugh at that. But in that moment, I was like, wow, I'm really robbed of the normalization of what my daughter's going through, you know, of going like, this was you too. And look, you turned out okay. It's okay. (laughs) That booth is gone. So, yeah. Okay. So this fuels, this whole experience, these few years fuel you into the grief space as a therapist. So let's go there and talk to me about what that, what you thought that would look like for you and how you wanted, well, I guess, how did you want to go back to work because you did not want to be a stay-at-home mom anymore. Right, right, right. So Um, tell me that transition. Well, when we had moved to Germany, it was about eight or nine months into us living here that I was like, I got to do something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wasn't sure here if I would, but how I could work. You know, it's very different here. And thankfully I had had a kind of a, an interesting encounter at a playground with a grandfather who was speaking English to his grandkids, but with a German accent. And my husband and I start talking to him and he's a psychotherapist and a couples therapist, which is really where I was like focused in at the time before we moved. Um, And he's like, Oh, well you can, you know, come and support me on some research I'm doing. And like, he sort of paved the way for the, how I could still work here And then I got to start to talk with other expats who are over here practicing in their own ways. And the world, the world of coaching and consulting is still very, like it is in the States, very open. And so here it's like, you can call it this. And I was like, easy. (laughs) That's what it is. Right. But when it came to, I'm going to transition to grief, it was like, I'm no longer a therapist and I'm not a coach and I'm not a, uh, a consultant. Like, all of these words could define me, but it is not the holistic version of who I am now. Like all the life experience that I've had, everything I bring now to my clients isn't just one of those things. It's all of them. And so I, I remember going for a walk with my husband and I was like, I don't know what to call myself now. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm not doing couples therapy right now. That was the other thing is as I was pregnant and doing couples therapy during COVID and you're like, burnout from that. I was like, no, yes. not anymore. But I was like, I just don't know what to call myself. And we kind of were playing with the word of, I was like, it's like a transformation. Like when you really go through your grief process, you go from caterpillar to in the cocoon and you are in grief and you come out that new butterfly. That's a whole transformative process of grief. And it's, you know, happening in so many different ways. And he was like, well, what about like a transformative grief? And I was like, guide. And he's like, mm. yeah. So now sometimes I still call myself a transformative grief guide, but because I, I find more in my marketing, I talk about burnout. People are more yeah. comfortable about talking about burnout, but it's really because of hidden grief that we get to burnout. We Ooh, think it's, oh, yeah. too much work, too much. Well, why are we working too much? Why are we people pleasing so much? Why are we setting goals that are about fear of or wanting something so bad that we're going to push ourselves over the edge, right? That's all hidden grief. Um, so now I just say I'm more of a guide, you know, I'm, I'm a guide. I'm going to guide you through this process. We're going to get more into being proactive rather than reactive, but I'm always addressing the hidden grief and my methodology leads them through their hidden grief, whether they come to me for it or not. I'm like, this is how we do this. (laughs) This is where we go. So are you scared in any way when someone comes to you? Like, what if I don't find the hidden grief? No, you think everyone has it. It's always there. 
Yeah, yeah, actually, I take that off of my shoulders. So when you work with me, it's a very intense three months every other week. And you get a, a, a video before each session, like a week or so before each session to do. And the very first one is creating your grief timeline. And I just, I explained in the video, I want like getting bullied on the school bus. I want that time that teacher said that thing to you or your siblings said, you know, all the things that still cause a ping. When you think about it, not that like, oh yeah, that happened to me, whatever. But they're like, ooh, yeah, that memory hurts. I want all of that on your timeline. And there's no That's hard. There's no That's hard. Oh, of course. I can come up with a thousand things. I'm just like, so that gives you sort of your starting point. Because I think about, you know, a time I was bullied as a kid or I remember in third grade, someone told me they didn't want to be friends with me anymore because I was too bossy. And like, now I live it, I live for that comment. But at the time I was like crushed by it. Right. Yeah. But I don't know that if you said to me, tell me your whole timeline of grief, that that story would even come to my head. Right. Right. So how do you get that? It's because when people start to write it out, I think of it like a mind map. Like as soon as you start to write stuff, you think of the next thing, you think of the next thing, you go back to the, oh wait, there was that more. And what I explained to them is like, I don't need you to tell me the whole stories. I just want you to be like, at six, this occurred. These were maybe the key people. These were the key emotions, right? Here's the things. Because what I then do with them is go, what are the themes that you see? Because after 15 years of therapy, I can tell you that it's kind of like um, always dating the bad guy, right? And always, are always like, there's always these themes, this repeat. It plays in different ways, but it starts in childhood. We learn something that's a false belief or we've, we've, conjured it into something that's actually not healthy. And then in adulthood, it becomes the problems that we struggle with. And I have to see the whole timeline to help you find the themes. And as as soon as we extract that, that's what we work on. I don't make you go back through the trauma and let's tell the story and like who said what. Okay, that's great. 40% of your memory is true. The other percent is false. Like, you know, it's, it's what you've created the meanings around the memory. So as soon as we like pull out those core themes and we start to address that through the other things in my methodology, it's so much easier to deal with. It's like creating like you've got in your mind, I've got so much work I got to do. I've got so much work I got to do. Okay, well, write down the to-do list. Oh, here's the to-do list. Oh, I can group these things together. I can group these themes together and heal this. I can work on this together and heal this. That's, That's all I'm doing. I'm just using what we would do in our normal, like, hey, I've got too much on my plate. I I love that in that way. And you have to do that with grief as well. So how long do you, and look, I feel like I'm always saying grief is not linear. And like you said, you don't know when you might be triggered. You're washing a dish. You realize it's December 24th and oh my God, your mom, right? Um, So obviously you're not suggesting that in these, you know, three months, all of a sudden, boom, you're cured. But how, so do you give people just the tools to become aware of these themes and and mm-hmm. tackle them as they come? It's all about integration. So I use the example of a scar and I always do, for some reason, I always do my arm. <laughs> scar. <laughs> like this isn't like a, wow, I got grazed by something. This is like deep wound cut, nerve damage. If you've had a C-section, you know, like there's, it will never be the same there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you have this wound and what I'm doing is like, let's, finally dig out the stuff, clean it out, allow it to heal. But that scar will still be tender at times. Mm. There'll be things that aggravate it. There'll be things, but you'll go, oh, that's that scar. 
Yep. I know that that's, that's there. Okay. I'm aware of what that is. And I know what helps me feel better. I'm going to rub it or I'm going to, you know, whatever the things are. So what I teach is just, you're going to learn how to integrate, heal and integrate it. So then you're aware when it gets bumped, when it, you know, but you don't have the, like when it's an open wound, anyone who comes close to it, you react, right? Like, ah, no, this is my bad shoulder. Don't touch me. That goes away. And that's the biggest thing that my clients are like, whoa, I'm not triggered. And I'm like, I oh, know. Like that, that's the whole thing is that you can finally live your life without having like pads around you. Like I'm going to get bumped into somebody on that shoulder. You don't have to do that anymore. And when you can intensely do it over three months and you really using the way that I, I lead people through, it's like you go at the end of it and you're like, wow, this cocoon phase isn't so scary. Like not knowing what this new butterfly version of me is going to come out looking like is okay. I, I now have the tools to get through this kind of thing. And then from there, of course, clients can still work with me. It's not like three months and you're gone. Usually by yeah. that point, it's accountability. Like it's just the check-ins like, hey, I noticed this came up. Okay, where does that come from? What are the core beliefs around it? Okay, you know what to do. Um, yeah. So I always say with grief, no, it's not linear. No, it doesn't go away. So stop trying to make it go away. Just integrate it. Integrate it and know how to work with it in your life. See it as a beautiful gift of lessons learned, life lived, you know, just like we would wrinkles and scars. They're all this like, hey, you've lived. Yeah, and this is my story. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about the balance code. Yeah. So as long as we're on this and then, and then I just want, I have like one more question for you yeah. too after. Yeah. So back last May, um, so this will be May, 2023. I was playing around with the idea of, um, doing a private podcast series. And so I called it the balance code for the empowered woman. And it's like, for the woman who's juggling all the things on paper, everything looks amazing, but inside you feel like chicken with your head cut off, right? <laughs> like I'm hot mess, but nobody knows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nobody knows it so I did this five-day event and then I was like in the process of planning it I was like I'm gonna actually create a podcast I'm just gonna do it like I'm gonna Great. This. and then a couple weeks later I'm gonna release a podcast which I've been thinking about for years but as I've shared there were a lot of topics I've covered in my therapy practice that was like what do I talk about <laughs> what do I focus Great. on and balance was always something people came back to me for, you know, a lot of the work we were doing was always on, even with hidden grief was I want to feel more balanced and ease in my life. Well, you got to let go of some of the weights you've been holding on to. Um, so now come end of September, the 25th through the 29th um, or 30th, we're going to have the next balance code for the empowered woman, but it's going to be a summit. So same style audio, and it just gives you tools just like my actual podcast, it's like short and simple. My podcast is like 12 to 18 minutes long each. unless it's Which by the way, because I've been listening to it, it's so perfect at that length. Yeah. It's okay. so densely packed with like the perfect message for that topic. And that's it. Then you just move on. And it's like, yeah. whoa. Like I sometimes I go back and listen again because I think it's so like poignantly put, especially the one like 
so many of them, but like the grief, just talking about grief in the terms that you use is so, it feels very freeing from my, from somebody that thinks that I deal pretty well with grief. But then when I hear you talk, I'm like, I think there's more there that maybe I need to, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 For me, we want the nuggets of wisdom, right? We want the gold and then we want to take it and go do something with it. So for like my interviews, I love doing longer ones because there's usually more things to pull, but it was just me. I want one little topic and like, let's cover this this week. And so the, the um, balance code for the empowered woman will be this week long. Every day is a theme, a focus area. So one of the days is about money education, not money mindset. Money mindset's a big thing right now, but education for women on money and why we've not always had that education. Yes. You know, it wasn't until the sixties and seventies, both in Germany and the States, a woman could go and get a credit card without. I know. It's disgusting. member signed for them. So it's things like that, that it's like, hey, you know, we're being told stop buying the coffee, stop buying, you know, don't get this or that. And it's like, that's not education on finances. Totally. <laughs> that's more. Also, like, I'm so the have the coffee person because yes. you know, the joy in the moment. But yes, I hear you. Yes, that is yes, like everyone's yes. first tip, you know? Yeah. So I'm doing that. I'm going to have um, people talking about relationships and intimacy. And then we're going to be talking about really just being ambitious but with the reality of what your life looks like. So again, each day has got something beautiful and three speakers each day. So you kind of get what you want to pull from or all of them and 20 to 25 minutes long. I always make my speakers like, nope, we're done. (laughs) This is it. So in a day you can be traveling in the morning, listen to one, lunchtime the second, third, making dinner. You've listened to that day. And so it makes it really simple. I love it. So we'll of course link out to all of that now how people can find you but also when it comes out we'll reshare what i like to close with every time is just a piece of advice that you were given or a cliche that you think about all the time something that you carry with you that you that you live by Mm. i have two if that's okay um the first one is um you know uh, this too shall pass (laughs) just a reminder that whatever you're going through it will, it will be gone. Um, and, and you'll be like, tomorrow's a new day, right? The, my mom used to say, go to bed early. Tomorrow's a new day. And I'm like, you're right. Sleep is mm-hmm. always the answer. <laughs> Sleep yes. is always the answer. Agree. Um, but that helps me. And I've, I've thought about tattooing it to my foot as a reminder, this too shall pass. This too shall mm-hmm. pass. Um, and then the second is, so I grew up in a, um, my mother was Southern Baptist. So she always had like scripture everywhere. And it was, uh, live by faith, not by sight. And I think that applies to anybody, whether or not you're uh, religious or not, you know, to just have faith and belief in things and trust and not just what you see around you, because especially in this world where it's technology and a lot of marketing, there's a lot of things being fed to us and it makes us feel like the world's not a good place anymore, that there aren't good people out there. And so having faith, I think is a big, you know, faith in humanity, faith in people, faith in whatever you want to believe in. I think that's important. I love that one so much. Mm -hmm. That's a good one to tattoo also. I'm like, right. You get one, I'll get the other. You get one foot, I'll get the other foot. We can like walk them together. I love it. Katie, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait for people to hear about what you do and you're just a delight. Thank you so much. I mean, this means a lot. Of course. immediately went out and bought Katie's book, 
right after this episode was recorded. We will link to her Instagram where you can find everything that is a resource from her as well. I just love the way she talks about grief in such a non-detrimental crisis way. And the reality is she's so right. Sometimes we have to grieve something in a way before we can transition into the next thing. And it doesn't mean it has to be sad. It gave me so much to think about. I want to thank you so much for listening. As always, please remember to rate, review, and share. Follow me on Instagram at the Fertility Chick at Abby Feeder at InCircle Fertility. And we have an incredible episode again next week. See you then.